When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 477. Fuck, how am I doing this speaker? With Mr. Dale Comstock, the American badass. And I think this is chapter, or not chapter, volume 11 or 12, or it's towards the end. We've gone over uh, (laughs) Dr. Comstock's books, our book, American Badass, for the last 12 volumes of this. You can go back through and listen to all of them, uh, or just buy the book, you fucking communists. Just. Stop stop fucking Dale. Go buy the book. I'll put it in the description. Go buy the goddamn book. It's a one-day read. It's fantastic. But um, Dale's a regular enough guest that I don't think I need to introduce him. Go back and listen to all the episodes. Dale was in Delta Force and in OGA and a whole bunch of other uh, Black Ops, Jason Bourne, James Bond shit. And uh, Dale, take it away, my good friend. All right, man. Cool. Thanks for having me on. Uh, <clears throat> so today, what I want to do is wrap it up, uh, wrap up the book, um, and just uh, dig into the final chapters, which really, um, you know, kind of were the end of. Uh, really, it was the ending in 2011. Okay, so we're talking 10 years ago is when uh, this book uh, was written up to that time frame. And uh, so we've we've talked about my other, you know, in the prior previous chapters, we talked about my experiences in Afghanistan, Iraq, and other places with, uh, you know, the other government agency out there, Office of Government Affairs, um, you know, in the unit, et cetera, et cetera. So today I'm going to talk about the Exodus. Last, well, actually, last week I talked about the Exodus. I talked about my epiphany, and uh, it was the final ambush where I decided that. Uh, it's time to uh, try to, you know, to get out of this line of work and go, you know, live in a civilian world and, and uh, do, you know, corporate type things, civilian type things. So um, one of the other things that happened at the same time as I was decided to, to uh, pull out and, uh, you know, put in my resignation was I got um, approached by Discovery Channel. Actually, I was discovered by Discovery Channel. How appropriate, right? And, uh, and that actually happened through a referral. Somebody, you know, knew the, one of the producers from Discovery Channel, knew, uh, was aware of a new TV show they're coming up with. And he thought of me, thought I'd be a great fit, referred me to the uh, producer. Long story short, they approached me. And I ended up on a TV show called, called One Man Army. And so... On One Man Army, it was basically a competition between other, you know, soldiers. And uh, each episode, you know, was, you know, basically four guys competing against each other. And um, in my particular show, what happened was I was competing against a SEAL, a Ranger, and a Marine. um, And then it was me. And um, I remember that the one event that we did was... It was, if you can imagine, a big, giant gravel pit, I mean, with the pea gravel about maybe at least 12 inches deep and um, like a soggy, muddy bottom underneath it. They, they kept it wet, you know, so it was hard to get traction is what I'm trying to say in this pea gravel pit. And it was probably across uh, from 
one side to the other was maybe, uh, I'm going to say maybe 20 yards crossed and uh, maybe about 20 yards. And in the, center, in the middle, of it, there was a pole. And in the middle of this pole, there was a, uh, it was a ring and then there was four chains attached going in, in, in the four cardinal directions. And on the end of each chain was a belt, okay? And, and each, each con, uh, contestant had to put the belt around his waist with this chain attached to his front. And you were not allowed to hold on to the chain, okay, and pull on the chain. You had to use, just use your body, but no, uh, no hands were allowed. So the, the goal was on the, you know, on the signal to go, each guy would try to pull his weight and pull himself backwards because each behind each one of us, we had a, uh, like a podium set up with a red uh, buzzer on it. And, uh, I would say it was maybe like, uh, 20 feet behind me. And what I had to do is get to my red buzzer and hit it. And if I could do that three times, then I would uh, be out of the contest and I was safe. And then the next three guys would do the same until there was one guy left. And that one guy that was left would be eliminated. Right. So, um, so there's a little bit of strategy involved, right? It looked like, okay, there's going to be four guys pulling against each other. And really, it should have been. But what these other three guys did, um, somehow they coordinated between themselves to all three pull against me alone, right? So they all ran to one side. And basically, they all pulled. And, I, you know, there was no way I could out-pull three, three other guys. And uh, one by one, they were hitting their buzzers. Right. And, and eliminate themselves. Um, they all knew they were safe as long as the three worked together and got me, left me, left me there. So it, it really came down to that at the end. I, I think I did like 13 evolutions and I'm finally with the last guy pulled against him. And, uh, and I got no power left, man. My legs, I, I ripped my hamstring at this point already. It was pretty bad. Um, I actually still had the, the pictures of it. But, um, you know, I just, I basically had one wheel left in the pull against this guy. And I've already done 13 evolutions against three guys. And, uh, so I was spent. And so, but I put up, uh, a valorous effort and, um, you know, it was not enough. And, uh, at the end, it was, you know, basically I got eliminated. But it was obvious to everybody that watched that, uh, <clears throat> you know, basically those three guys go, we're going to, we want to stay in the show and we want to win. We got to get rid of that guy first because he's much bigger than everybody else. Yeah. And so it worked. And, uh, and so, but of all those guys in the show, I was the only guy to get a post by NBC six months later and go, Hey, we like what we saw on that show and what you did. And we want you to, you know, we would like to see if you're interested in trying out for another show called Stars and Stripes on NBC. And uh, I thought, well, okay, you know, that's, you know, I didn't think, you know, that was going to happen. I thought it was going to be a one-time deal in my lifetime, you know, and, and that was it. But here I am going to try it out again for NBC. So I ended up going through this long, very lengthy uh, process with NBC, background checks, blah, blah, blah. And they ended up flying me to Universal Studios out there. Um, and I actually did a, uh, an interview, you know, on camera with just the whole crew there, man. They had all the cameras on me and interviewers and, and I uh, had me sitting in a chair and basically, um, they just started asking me a lot of questions. You know, they wanted to see my personality, how I responded, you know, was I TV worthy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, apparently I was because I was, uh, one of eight guys out of over, I forget how many applicants, but it was something like 6,000 applicants. 
that tried and eight of us actually um, got selected. So that's how I ended up on Stars and Stripes with Terry Crews. And uh, that opened up a lot of other doors. So, um, you know, those that watched Stars and Stripes with me and Terry, um, as soon as he and I were eliminated, which I think was the third episode, um, the ratings just started plummeting, you know, and uh, which is kind of funny because Larry, uh, Terry and I were very similar um, in stature. Um, he's just a little bit bigger than me, but uh, we're you know, two older guys, bald head, you know, and uh, both of us grandpas, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, we were kind of like, I don't want to say we were the, you know, the main attraction, but we were out there in front yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and the way we went out was kind of, you know, it kind of sucked the way we had got disqualified, but essentially what happened was, um, you know, a couple of things happened. One, Terry almost drowned, um, literally almost drowned. And I had to, you know, basically do the best I can to save him. Um, and we did, got him out of the water and everything. And then we went on and then there was another event where, um, it came down to, um, you know, we, we basically got eliminated. We, we, we didn't make one of the, the competitions. We got edged out on it and, uh, you know, it was all over. So, but it was okay. It was a good, it was a good show. We did a good job and, uh, it led to some other things. And, uh, and so from there I was, um, surrounded by a management team. They were, they started, want to start a production company. It was more right leaning instead of left leaning, and uh, the, all the guys in this company were conservatives. They wanted me to be a um, the post support for the company. They wanted to do more for veterans, you know, law enforcement, and kind of kind of get away from the left wing Hollywood, you know, clickish crap, you know. And, just, and so, so that's what ended up happening. I ended up being part of this this team, and then I started doing other TV shows. Um, you know, stunts and acting. And then um, in time, it just kind of petered off because I was asked if I would, if I would move to Los Angeles, um, they, I was told I could be on a TV or movie set almost every week, you know, and the, some of the prevailing thought was that I could possibly be the next Danny Trejo with look my looks and everything, you know, and I could be a really good bad guy, I suppose. And, uh, but I'd have to live in Los Angeles. And I, I really gave that a lot of thought. And I thought, man, no way. You know, if I moved to Los Angeles, I mean, I gotta leave my daughter behind in North Carolina. Um, even though, you know, she lives with her mom. Um, you know, she lives here near me, right? So I wouldn't be able to see her as much as I wanted to. And then I realized, you know what? Hollywood is not really who I am. Um, the people out there, you know, they really are kind of, plastic man i mean yeah they're all actors they're faking the funk they're pretending to be they're pretending to be you know other people uh, but they're actually all just faking it you know and uh and not getting don't get me wrong some of these people are really good people man like terry cruz is just man he is the bomb he's a great 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 guy many others um that i'm friends with out there Unfortunately, they tend to be a little bit more right-leaning uh, or center, but, uh, you know, they weren't uh, um, extreme left like, you know, we, we see so often on TV now in the movies. But uh, it's, nonetheless, it was not my uh, it was not my calling, man. I thought it might be, but it's not. You know, I just realized, man, do I want to live in L.A. And, and fake it all the time and be this freaking guy that, you know, I said, no, that's not what I, I wouldn't be happy. Yeah, the money would might be cool for a minute and all the, you know, the fame that goes with it. But 
It wasn't me, man. I'm, I'm more than that. Um, in fact, I'm better than that. Sorry to say it, but I am better than that. And, uh, and so I decided now I'm going to go back to Indonesia and keep doing what I'm doing, build my own empire, um, and do what I like doing, which is substantive and it's security related. Um, it's trainings. It's, it's, it's stuff that matters, you know, really it's stuff that matters. And, uh, and so there I went, you know, back to, uh, back to Indonesia and, um, you know, continued on with my life and, uh, you know, and I did build my own company over there and I, I'm living the dream. I've been in Indonesia for almost seven years now, uh, more than three years in Bali. Don't get any better than that, man. Um, so then, um, moving on a little bit, a couple other things happened to me in the book. There's another chapter called The Roads for Warrior. I thought that was kind of funny to add that in there, but it, all this has to do with mindset, leadership, everything I'm talking about in this book. And, um, you know, I talk about the good and the bad that's happened to me, you know, and I don't care. Um, I just want people to, you know, be able to, um, you know, learn things from me and appreciate, uh, you know, maybe they can, you know, there's a little bit of a nugget, a gold nugget in there that they can use to make their life better, right? Whether it's a good nugget or a bad nugget. Um, so the next story was on the roadster warrior. And basically what, here's what happened. Um, I went to the gym one morning. I think it was, uh, like a Friday morning or something like that. And I went and worked out and I was pretty jacked back then. And, I decided I need to go to the bank, but I, I banked with Bank of America and there was not a Bank of America in Panama City Beach, Florida. The closest one was up in, uh, Defuniac Springs. And uh, that was almost an hour's drive just to get there. So I had this BMW Z3 Roadster convertible, you know, it's all souped up. And, um, I said, well, I'll just, you know, run up there real quick and go to the bank. Well, on the way up there, I'm driving for a while and, I'm on this one particular two, two lane road and we're getting ready to cross this big bridge over this uh, bay. And there's this truck in front of me, a pickup truck. And, uh, <clears throat> there's a white guy in it. He's wearing, uh, you know, he's wearing, um, a wife beater t-shirt. He's got a gun rack on the back with uh, a shotgun, a baseball bat. He's got a pit bull in the front. Um, you know, he's drinking a fucking beer. All right. While he's driving and he's driving slow. And I'm, I'm trying to wait to get my opportunity to pass and go around him. And he just takes his empty beer can, just chunks it out of his truck and hits the front of my BMW with it. So I'm like, what the hell? I lose my shit, right? I fucking honk on the horn, like, you know, flipping the bird, like you fucking idiot. And, uh, and he's like, well, he's doing his little thing. And, uh, and then he just takes off and he starts passing all these cars. And he goes across the bridge on the other side. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to be able to catch him now. And, uh, when I get to the other side, I guess he wanted to pick up where we left off on the other side of the bridge. So he, he pulls over to the side of the shoulder of the road. That's all the cars go by him. And then he gets, he slips in behind him in front of me. Right. And he's slowing down. He's freaking raising hell. And I'm basically indicating to him, pull over, man. Just pull over. Right. I'm, I'm like freaking mad. So, um, we pull over and I guess he wasn't expecting this guy as big as me to get out of my, my little car. It's a little roadster. It's a two seater. Right. And, uh, and basically, I pop out of the car as he gets out. And he sees me, runs back to his truck, gets in and takes off. And he drives into this trailer park. And uh, apparently, that's where he lived. So he's he's going through the trailer park. I follow him in there. Um, and then, um, you know, I finally can't find him. I stop. There's a guy in his lawn. I go, hey, man, did you see a truck coming through here? Blah, blah, blah. No. And all of a sudden, here comes the pickup truck. He comes back and he drives by again. This time, he's got a handgun. Right. He's pointing a gun at me as I'm, as he's driving by. Right. 
And uh, and I jump behind my car, you know, like, holy shit, you know, and he, he just keeps on going. And then he takes off in the woods. So I drove to the front of the trailer park and I stopped my car and uh, and I get on the phone. I call 911 and I call the police department. I said, listen, here's what's going on. And can you send somebody out here? Um, guy's pointing guns at me. He's throwing beer cans in my car, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I'm waiting, you know, I'm leaning up against my car, waiting for the cops to show up. And all of a sudden, here comes this guy again in the truck. Ah, crap. And he, this time he pulls up behind my car, kind of at an angle. And uh, so I walked over to him and go, just stay there. I said, the cops are on the way and we're going to deal with this. And as I got closer, he looks at me and goes, he goes I'm going to kill you. He goes, so how do you want to die? You want me to shoot you or stab you? And I took him serious, man, because, you know, it's a white guy. And he's blowing all this rap music, you know, and he's just. He's got this glazed look on his eyeballs, you know. I'm like, well, this guy crazy or what, man? So, so I basically realized I better back away. So I back away and I, and I thought, okay, let me memorize the license plate just in case something goes down. And I look, and this guy had taken the time when he stopped his car. I guess he found a, a sandwich wrapper from Subway, right? And he wrapped it around his license plate so he couldn't see it. I thought, what the hell? So I said, okay. And I reached out, I grabbed it, and I pulled it off. To memorize his license plate, and he saw me do that. He just lost his shit, right? And he's screaming, "You motherfucker!" And he gets out of the car, and and he's coming at me full speed at this point. And I'm like, "Oh shit!" Right? So, <laughs> so I'll, I'm wearing my glasses and stuff, and uh, he's coming for me. And so I'm I'm kind of sliding backwards to pull my glasses off, and I toss them way behind me. Because one, I don't want to get hit with them on. Two, I don't want to break them, right? So I kind of get rid of them. And uh, and about that time, he's already on top of me and punches are exchanged. Now, the funny thing is he's throwing like, you know, bunches of punches and nothing's hitting me, man. It's like, and uh, it was kind of funny. Like, damn, I mean, he ain't hit me yet, you know? And he's just coming at me like a windmill. And uh, I remember I was just, you know, I was a professional boxer, kickboxer. And uh so I'm just letting loose on this guy, man. I mean, just hitting him hard combinations. And and finally what happened was um, he, he came in at me and and I kind of got a hold of him a little bit. And he I kind of grabbed my shirt and kind of turned him sideways. And I just threw another overhand right. And I hit him in his ear. His ear literally exploded, man. Um, I mean, all the blood just shot out, spread down my arms, hit me in the face, man. It was like funny shit. Like, like damn, you know, I didn't know I hit, hit that hard, but I, I did apparently. And that was enough to stun him and uh, put him on Queer Street. And he kind of like reared up straight up like, what the hell? And then that's when I just let him have it, man. I just started ripping him apart. And uh, I, I grabbed my shirt. I pulled it off. Now all he's got is a pair of shorts that are, you know, you know, hanging down his ass, you know, and uh <laughs> and so I'm, I've got him and he's doubled over and I'm just pounding the hell out. I mean, I'm forearm striking him and uppercutting him. I mean, I'm just going nuts on the guy. And, uh, and then finally, um, his pants fell off. His shorts fell off, right? Because they were baggy shorts like these guys like to wear. Well, if they literally fell down to his ankles. And so now he was hobbled. He couldn't move, right? <laughs> and so now he's like a stationary target. And I just lit him up, man. And uh, and he falls over, and I jump on top of him. I'm sitting on top of him, just beating his brains out. And he's now in the fetal position, screaming and hollering, man. He goes, "What's wrong with you, man? What's like, what's wrong with me, you asshole?" And I just punch him even more for even asking a stupid question. Yeah, for even asking a stupid question. And I knew I had to do that because it was just me and him out there. There were nobody. There was nobody there. No witnesses. Had he done something to me? I'd have been screwed, man. Yeah. And so it was either me or him is the way I looked at it. And so 
I'm beating the shit out of him. Finally, he just goes fetal on me. And, uh, okay, man, okay, 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 I've had enough, I've had enough, you know? And I give him a couple extra more just for, you know, uh, <laughs> just for posterity, just, you know. Anyways, then I finally stood up and I said, listen, I said, you, I said, roll around your belly. I said, and spread your hands out and, and roll your palms up. Spread your arms out and roll your palms up. And I don't want you to cross your ankles. And uh, his pants are all the way down his, his ankles, literally. And he wants to pull him up, and I don't want to let him pull him up, right? I think that's, you know, I'm going to leave it as to my band. Yeah. So I wouldn't let him pull his pants up. And he's laying, laying there, right? <laughs> and he's covered in mud and blood, man. I mean, just covered, right? And he's laying there, like, <laughs> he's pissing and moaning. And by that time, the first deputy showed up. It was a chick. She gets out, guns drawn, and uh, she's coming over. And I'm, I'm standing back, you know. I got himself on my hand, and... And this guy all of a sudden started running his mouth again about something. So right away, I think she figured out he's the asshole. So she runs over there and handcuffs him right off the bat, you know, and asked me to go. She asked me to go back to my car and just stand by there. So I do. I wait over there. And then about four more uh, deputy sheriffs pulled up. Right. So I got five police cars out there now, um, two ambulances um, and a fire truck. Right. It's like, what the hell? Right. It's like a lot of, you know, a lot of people showing up all of a sudden for the same and so all these cops are over there. They're talking to him. He's sitting on the ground, and he just—he's just haggard, man. I mean, just haggard, just bleeding everywhere, bloody and dusty, you know. And uh, and he's already giving them his story, and all standing around listening to him. And then they, I'm just leaning up against my car. They walk over to me, and they surround me. They got their hands on their, you know, on their weapon. They're like, "Okay, let me ask you something." They go, "What gives you the right just to beat this guy up?" Because, you know, you know, well, he, he wasn't driving fast enough or something, right? They made up some bullshit, right? Like road rage. I go, what? I go, let me tell you something. I said, the only reason that guy is not dead today is because today of all days, I didn't bring my firearm with me that I normally carry with me. In fact, I didn't bring my pocket full or nothing. All I got was these. Uh, I said, had I had a firearm with me, this guy probably wouldn't be talking right now. I said, you have no idea what I'm capable of. And they're looking at me like, what? I go, I have killed men for less. Okay, a lot less than that asshole. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then, you know, they're looking, and then they see a special forces thing on say, my car. Before that, they yeah. have no idea you're special forces. They're just like, who the fuck is this guy? Right. And uh, and then I told them what happened. And I told them, I said, look, you know, um, I was in the military, blah, 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 you know. And, uh, you know, and he, his kids listened to all this stuff, right? And he's like, oh, shit. I think he really, he had... He had a, uh, he, he got woke, right? And so he's like, uh, uh, excuse me, excuse me, um, I, can I say something? Can I say something? The cop's like, no, you had your chance, shut up, you know, and they're still talking to me. He goes, no, no, really, I have something to say, you know, and everybody's looking at him like, what, what is what for you? And he goes, listen, he goes, he's, he's right. It was my fault. I did, I used to get all of it. I did all of it. He's, he's telling the truth. I lied. They're like, what? Right? There you go. <laughs> so, and uh, they're gonna, now they're going to arrest them, right, for all kinds of shit. And uh, so they pick them up. They bring them over to me. Um, and then uh, the guys ask me, the cops ask me, go, all right, well, we're going to arrest them, you know, for assault and all kinds of crap, right? They were, you know, threatening, you know, th threats, you know, blah, 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 and, you know, point a firearm at you and all this kind of stuff, right? I mean, the guy was going to get himself in a world of shit just over that whole incident. And um, they go, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to take him down. You know, you, you, anything else, you know, you want to charge any other issues? I go, no, I said, hold on for a second, okay? And I look at the kid, I go, I said, 
No, the guy and the kid wants to say something to me. He's like, hey, I say kid. He was about 20. He goes, uh, I, I just want to say one thing, uh, everybody. He goes, sir, and he's talking to me. I, I want to apologize for what I did. I'm so sorry, and thank you for your service. I, you know, I made a big mistake, and, uh, you know, I really regret it. And he goes, he goes, you know, and I said, okay. I said, well, I said, did you learn your lesson? He goes, yes, sir. He goes, nobody's ever beat me as bad as you did. Even, not even my father beat me as bad as you have. He goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes, nobody's ever kicked my ass like you kicked my ass. And, uh, and I said, all right, well, but you learned your lesson. He goes, yes, sir. I'm so sorry. Right. And the uh, cops were like, you good? I go, no, nah, you know what? I said, uh, you know, I said, I'll tell you what, man. I said, you know what? Here's some advice. Join the military, man. You could learn a lot about life and keep yourself out of jail and learn something about self-discipline and respect. Go in the military, man. Do yourself that favor, you know? Because I really wanted to. I wanted to go to the Marines. I said, well, just go, man. He goes, well, they wouldn't take me. I said, well, figure out a way to have them take you. I said, but this ain't going to work for you. I can tell you that right now. And uh, he goes, yeah, I agree. And the cops looked at me and go, well, what do you want to do? I said, just let him go. I said, no charges. I'm done. I think he learned his lesson. And uh, hopefully, you know, he, he squares himself away. So the cops uncuffed him and let him go. And I like, all right. Cool. And I went on my merry way with two hands that were like throbbing, man, from punching him so many times. My fists were, I actually broke my finger on this hand because um, I hit him so hard. <laughs> I broke my finger on, on my left hand. And, uh, you know, so that was, uh, that was my day going to the bank. Um, <laughs> not a typical, not a typical day, but, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it happens. Um, so anyways, moving on, uh, ultimately at the end of the day, there's uh, some other smaller stories in there about my family and, um, you know, some of the stuff we did as, as a family doing bodybuilding shows together, you know, which is kind of cool. You know, my son, um, who was in his early 20s and myself in my late 40s, you know, we were competing on stage, you know, my ex-wife, all of us as a family, we made fitness a, um, a family sport an endeavor, you know, and uh, we all trained to compete, right, on stage, which was really kind of cool. Uh, when you think about it in the, the day, man, your whole family or most of your family, a big part of it is literally on stage together and we're posing and, and you know, we've, mm -hmm. you know, showing off, you know, our hard work and uh, what a, what a, you know, what a great thing to do with your family. And a lot of people out there miss the boat, man. Um, a lot of fathers, you know, it's like, you know, and they have kids. It's like, well, what are you doing with kids? You know, oh, my kid, he likes to do this. He likes to do that or, you know, whatever he does, you know. But what do you to get, do together? Ah, nothing really, you know. Why not, man? You know, and uh, to me, that's like, uh, it's one of the most amazing experiences I ever had was standing up on stage with my son in a heavyweight division, right, for the, for the Nationals. Um and we're posing side by side. And then the funny part was I actually beat my son in that contest. And uh, I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> and uh, I walked away with the trophy. And, and so, but it wasn't even, for me, it wasn't the competition that was important. What was important was um, doing something together and, then go, and seeing it all the way to the end. And whether win, lose, or draw, knowing that we worked hard enough that we had the right to stand on the stage and uh and do that and compete right we, we and uh so for me it wasn't about winning or losing it was about um you know doing the event as a group as a family and i even went so far as at the end when you 
when you do a bodybuilding show, you're out there individually, you know, you're posing and stuff. And then you have, at the end, you have like a pose off where they get all the contestants from the same weight division out there and they play some music and you basically it's freestyle. You can do whatever poses you want, you know, to, to show the judges. And normally what happens is the other bodybuilders, competitors will get in front of you and block the view of the judge so they can't see you. They're out there, you know, basically getting, the, you know, like photobombing you, so to speak, in a way. And, uh, and I didn't care if they did it to me, but I wasn't letting them do it to my son. So basically, I was playing bodyguard for my son. I was just basically getting between anybody and trying to get in front of him. <laughs> you know, that was my whole job, you know, to protect him, you know, and I ended up winning. So uh, it's kind of funny. Um, but no, it's a, and, uh, the other thing that happened, which was kind of funny, I think, is so up to that point for the last 30 days, we, we did a lean out diet, right? So. That means our diet was very strict. It was the same foods. You know, we weighed the food as certain types of foods. And um, I went from about uh, 20, I don't know, 20% body fat down to three and a half body percent, three and a half body percent body fat in three, uh, 30 days. And uh, that's why they call it lean out diet because you are shredded, man. I mean, just shredded. And uh, so during that lean out diet, you're really not eating any carbohydrates, um, very small amount, and uh, but not really enough to you know sustain you all day long. So you kind of get goofy, you kind of get weak, you kind of get loopy in the head because you just don't have enough glucose. But <clears throat> your body starts burning fat, you know, but you're also keeping the muscle on with all the meat you're eating and protein you're eating. Um, but I was a guy that was you know eating chocolate chip cookies on the side while everybody else died. I'm like you know. The winning wasn't important to me. The competition was. And uh, so I didn't mind if I cheated, you know, and and they caught me, you know, and I'm like, you know, and, and they got a little mad. Well, my ex got mad at me for for cheating. Right. And here I go. I win of the out of all of the three of us. I'm the only one who gets a trophy. Right. And so now they're like, what the hell? And this guy was eating chocolate chip cookies and he still won. Right. <laughs> and so I, when I got the trophy, uh, I remember walking with my son. I know my ex-wife was really disappointed because she didn't uh, place where she wanted to either. And uh, so I looked at my son. I go, listen, man, <clears throat> I said, you know, I can't take this trophy home tonight because I will be sleeping on the couch. Um, there's no way. And, uh, you know, this is going to fly. And so I said, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you this trophy. Call the trophy of shame, if you will. I don't care. But you're going to get hang on to it until we do our next bodybuilding show. And then when you actually beat me, all right, you can give me my trophy back. You know, yeah. and so that's my challenge to you. Yeah. Do another show and give me my damn trophy back, you know, but <laughs> today's not the day, right? So that's what I ended up happening. And uh, so he's actually got my trophy and uh, we haven't done a bodybuilding show since then, mainly because, you know, he's, you know, he's a special forces also and uh, he's busy quite a bit, but hopefully one day there's a, he'll have some time where he can really train up and prepare for a bodybuilding show. And I can, and together we'll, we'll do it one more time, you know, yeah. um, that might be, who knows, you know, I'm 58 now. It could be in 10 years from now, but it'll happen before I oh, die. Yeah. That's the plan anyways. So that's the book. Um, ultimately I was written, um, as I tell people, the book is not about me as much as it's about you. Um, it's about, uh, it's not about being a badass. It's about being a good ass. It's about, you know, Try to be a good example, do the right things, be a good patriot, good father, you know, good friend, good man, a good citizen. Um, that's what makes you a badass. Um, thuggery and, and uh, being a hoodlum is not a bad, doesn't make you a badass. Talking shit, you know, and, and having no substance doesn't make you a badass. Um, I, eat, I eat those badasses for lunch all day long. Um, badass is trying to be a good ass, especially in the world we live in today. And um, 
you know, trying to be the trying to be a good person, you know, and everything that you do, being a hard worker, being a good demonstration, that's a real challenge for most people these days, especially young people. They have, you know, their values are not the same. Um, you know, the work ethic's not the same. Uh, it's a different, it's a different culture and uh, they're getting weaker, you know, not all, but they are getting weaker as a whole as, you know, the new generation of, uh, of young people growing up. So that's the reason I wrote the book originally when it came out. I think I may have mentioned it before, but I was on the set, uh, Stars and Stripes with Chris Kyle, the American sniper. And, uh, we were talking about his book. And I remember he said, man, I want to read your book, you know, because I want to grow up to be like you. Those were his words. And uh, I thought, damn, I don't have a book. So I turned around and said, hold on. I called my management team. I need to write a book right now. And uh, I wanted to be, you know, I said, I want to write an autobiography, tell my life stories. But um, ironically, I said, you know, I don't want it to be all about me. Mm-hmm. I want it to be, you know, I use my stories to um, motivate and inspire, particularly young men to be better versions of themselves and to grow up to be men. Right. And so that was my, my thinking was I want to do something for our youth, um, especially our boys, because, you know, let's face it, man, you know, these kids, I mean, they're just, they're, they're almost androgynous, you know, and on the whole, on many levels, you know, um, they're just, they're weak physically, they're weak mentally. Um, you know, I'm, and I'm not saying everybody's like that. There's a lot of exceptions out there. There's kids out there, young men that have been raised properly by their fathers and, and their mothers. Um, but there's a whole lot more out there that are just total losers. And uh, I can speak from actual personal experience in combat where I see this generation go to combat and it was not a pretty sight. Um, it was sad, in fact. Um, and so I know as a country, man, we are not... <clears throat> We're not in a good place, um, and I just fear that the next war we have, man, um, it's going to be a disaster for this country because we just do not. Everybody talks about the American fighting spirit. Well, we had it at one time. We ain't got it no more. Um, not at that level. I'm telling you right now, I've seen, I've seen these kids of today literally sit down on the battlefield and take their, their equipment off while their friends are getting killed in front of them Okay, and rather than go out and helping them, they took their shit off because it was too hot, you know, and they needed a break. That's where we're at. Okay, that is where we're at. That's a fact. Okay, if I told the whole story about what I've seen, especially in Afghanistan, Iraq, man, this country would, you know, some people would lose their damn mind. Um, They'd probably try to censor me, you know, who knows what what happened to me for all that. But uh, um, the truth is ugly. I've seen it. And uh you know, to me, it's just um, a preview of things to come in the future. And uh, I, I work around guys right now that um, on some other projects, like literally, um, and doing physical work. And these kids, you know, coming out to 18 years old are just totally clueless, man. I mean, my, my roommate, um, he works at, a, I won't name the place he works, but uh, it's a great job. Makes good money. You're out in the sunshine all day, you know, and and water and boats and these kids are just total losers they they show up for one day of work you know and you know they're making a hundred dollars a day just in tips and it's too damn hard you know i'm gonna take i'm gonna take tomorrow off my shoulder hurts my back hurts this hurts that hurts you know it's like the kids ain't got the same grit anymore because we've coddled them 
We've been calling them since Dr. Spock, man, just constantly calling everybody, you know. Don't yell at them. Don't call them mean names. Don't spank your kids. Don't do this. Don't do that, you know. Give them what they want, you know. And here we are, right? We got kids that don't know if they're boys or they're girls. They think there's something in between, you know. Um, they want me to believe that there's something in between, so they don't want me to call them he or she. They want me to call them, uh, you know, whatever the hell it is, like an it or Z or whatever. Um, ain't happening, all right? You might lie to yourself, but you're not going to make me lie to myself about who you are. Don't tell me that you're not a boy or a girl when I can see your dick hanging out, okay? You're a boy, and that's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to say you're a man, okay? And I'll probably be kind of hesitant to call you a boy, but I'll call you a male because you have a penis, you know? And that's what it is. I'm, I'm not going to call you anything other than that because you're not going to tell me to lie to myself make you feel good better better about yourself yeah um and i don't give a shit if that pisses people off um you know what are you gonna do if if that pisses you off you probably can't kick my ass anyways right because you don't even know if you're a boy or a girl so bring it (laughs) um anyways um we live in a different world man but anyways that was the intent of the book um you know, have I reached out? Yeah, I've actually, there's been a lot of people that have been reached by the book, been touched by the book, been inspired by the book, have used the book, read it over and over, used the book for um, coaching and mentoring their own, you know. And uh, so, you know, it's getting, it's gotten some mileage, right? It's, the intent is being served. Um, of course, I know I can't change millions of, you know, boys to men or anything like that. Um, but those that are sitting on the fence wondering who they are. And with, with who they should be, um, you know, if you read the book, here's a little incentive. Maybe this will inspire you to, mm-hmm. to you know, to actually grow a pair of balls, you know, yeah. and grow up. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's the, the oddest thing is like, yeah, I'm with, I mean, as a biology major. Yeah. I mean, you, you have one of two sex organs. There are very rare diseases where you have, where you have both. But the point is, is. Yeah, I don't even give a shit if someone wants to identify as this, that, or the other thing. It's just whatever. You do you. I don't give a fuck. But what's masqueraded as as tolerance for all is actually not tolerance for all. I'm a tolerant right. person. I don't give a fuck what you are. I, I do not give a fuck. Leave me alone and I don't give a shit. I don't care if you're gay or straight. Or, I, 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 I don't. It means so little to me. It's like if you told me what kind of toilet paper you use, I'd be like, I don't give a shit. Good for you. What is not tolerant, though, is how the whole thing is not accepting. It's accepting of everything but being a heterosexual man. They are not, if they were tolerant of everything, they would also be tolerant of jacked up testosterone addled guys who just, that's what they do. They want to join the military. If you were truly tolerant, you would be as okay with that as you would be a guy who wants to be a a, a hairstylist. That's true tolerance. You'd be like, "You want to do that, or you want to join Delta?" I'd be like, "Good on you. Be the best. You, be the best hairstylist you can be. Be the best Delta point man you can be. Be the best and do it well. And that's honorable. What is not tolerant is saying we are tolerant of everyone." Except for men, toxic masculinity, white privilege. It's like, this sounds a lot like repackaged racism. <laughs> sounds a lot like a shitty reboot of racism. Well, and not only that, they've trained these people. They've actually trained this, those very people that, um, you know, crying for tolerance and because they're whatever, gay or transgender, whatever the hell they are. Um, they're actually, and they're white people and they're white males, you know, throwing other white males under the bus because 
Um, we, you know, we won't lie to ourselves about who they're not and uh, who they are. Right. That's the, that's what gets me is, um, I am not going to use a pronoun and lie to myself and call you anything other than what you are, either male or female. And, um, and so they don't, res- they won't respect that. Like you said, right. It's like, there's no tolerance for that because I'm just being intolerant. Yeah. No, I'm just being truthful to myself. All right. I'm being truth to myself and, and, and I'm, I'm telling the truth, but you don't like it. You want me to lie to myself and actually lie to you, make you feel good by yourself because you want me to lie and call you, you know, one of these pronouns, like, you know, whatever other than male or female. So not only am I lying to myself, you want me to lie to you so you can feel good about who you think you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And maybe you think you are, you know, the opposite sex or some a toaster. I don't know yeah. what you think you are, but, uh, you, you're free to think that all day long. Yeah. Okay. But don't ask me to call you a toaster, you yeah. know, because that's what you think you are. Yeah. I'm not going to call you know. And so the fact that they can't even talk, tolerate the truth and me telling the truth tells me you're right. They're, they're not tolerant. You know, they're yeah. only tolerant if they get what they want. Yeah. And uh, that's it. You know, yeah. it's either I get what I want or you're an intolerant racist, you yeah. know, misogynist yeah. and whatever else they can come yeah. up with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and another thing, too. Is so <clears throat> I know, you know, and, and here's the other thing, you know, is, oh, you know, well, he's just a closet, you know, homophobe or closet racist or closet blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something, jackasses, if that's what you think. Um, first of all, I got a daughter that's hardcore lesbian, always has been. Okay. Was she born that way? I absolutely believe she was. I saw it when she was very little. I was like, okay, this one is a tomboy. At least that's what we thought. And um, it just never got any better, man. It got even worse and worse. And she is about as hardcore lesbian as you can imagine. Um, I mean, she's Dale reincarnate. <laughs> you know, in a female's body, man, you know, <laughs> a lot younger, like, damn, man. And she's a little badass, you know, yeah. and I love her. I love her nonetheless, you know, and uh, it's her choice. I respect that. I don't care. You know, like, you, you know, I don't give a shit what you do with your life, yeah. um, you know, but I will not call her anything other than what she is. She's a girl. I'm not going to lie to myself or her, man. She's a female. Okay. Maybe in her mind, she thinks she's a male. She's butch. She's very butch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that's in your mind. But guess what? In reality, you're still a girl, yeah. you know, and, and no amount of surgery or anything is going to change that. Okay. You have the, you know, the genetics of a, of a woman and all you're doing is altering um, your physiology with surgery and, you know, your, your, chemistry with hormones but nonetheless your base dna says you're a female yeah you know and so it's about being honest man and uh people just don't want to have an honest conversation because it doesn't fit the narrative and other people like to push that narrative because it supports um their political beliefs their agendas you know these 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 others become pawns in a bigger in a bigger game of life that has nothing to do with them they just become pawns yeah. they're useful idiots right um i have no problem with you being gay anybody being gay even you tom it's okay you're gay right so <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'm like okay they else like tom you're, you're a total bitch it's okay i accept you and i'm like damn wait, what? what are you talking about <laughs> no nah, you know what and uh, the other thing is just don't just don't force it down my throat yeah. okay that's it you know, you be what you want to be. Just don't force it down my throat and tell me I gotta, I gotta say certain things to make you feel good about yourself. Don't force me to lie 
tell me I need to lie to make you feel good. If I don't lie, then I'm being a homophobe or whatever I'm going to be to you. Um, we live in a strange place. You know, I think homosexuality has always been around. It's been around forever, man. Um, forever. You know, yeah. And so it's not, uh, it's not some kind of current, you know, modern day, you know, anomaly. Um, it's always been there. Is it, is it natural, you know, or normal? Um, I would argue it's normal in the sense that a lot of people are doing it and have been doing it. Um, is it natural? I don't think so because, um, when you look at biology again, right, we have males and females for a reason, right? You got ACDC, um, so that we can be plugged in and procreate, you know, reproduce ourselves. That's it. And, uh, and so, you know, these people that, you know, don't feel, you know, that are gay. Okay. Um, you gay, whatever. Is it a mental defect? I'm not going to call it a mental defect. I'm just going to say that, uh, um, you might be normal, but it's not necessarily natural. That's what I think. You know, that's my opinion. And I'm not judging. Um, but I, you know, trying to arrive at a reasonable conclusion is a little bit of a challenge. So like them, I believe in science, right? Everybody's telling me believe in science. Well, here I'm going to believe in science. Yeah. And this is what the science says, right? Um, that's a, that's a matter of fact. That's what the science says. There's male or female. Yeah. Um, that's it. Now, okay, there's there's some other. What do you call them? Um, like you know, worms are. What do you call worms? They can uh, they go they go both ways. They have male and female parts, right? In, yeah, <laughs> hermaphrodite. There's a, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's yeah. Well, there and there are rare diseases where there's actually purely technical speaking, there's not just right. There's male, there's female, and then everyone knows there's hermaphrodites. It actually gets gets even more like nuanced. I mean, it gets down to like one in ten thousand, one in a hundred thousand, one in a million. But I remember learning about these ge- genetics. There are like Klinefelter syndrome. Is one. There are ones where it's not even X Y. It's like X X X X X Y Y. It's weird. Yeah. It goes. But the point is, is like, yeah, I I, I don't give it. You know, I'll, we'll 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 wrap this up with a quote from uh, Bill Hicks, who is my favorite comedian, who died at age thirty three. Um, Bill Hicks, stay out of my life. Um, but it's a quote about kind of everything we're talking about where it's not, it's not, it's not that I don't care. It's not that I care. It's not that I'm tolerant or intolerant. I just don't give a shit. <laughs> and it's, 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 and I, now I can't find the quote, but it's along the lines of, of what business of, is it of yours? What drugs I put in my body, who I have sex with or what my political beliefs are. And if you're having a hard time answering that, I'll answer it for you. It's none of your fucking business. As long as I pay my taxes and leave you alone, I should be able to do what I want. So take that to the bank, cash it, and take a vacation out of my fucking life. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. I don't, or the, that or that other meme. My my political views are, I think, a, I think two gay men should be able to raise their adopted child to grow their homemade marijuana plants and defend it with AR-15s. <laughs> do whatever the fuck you want that's the purest beauty is you do whatever the fuck you want or what general mattis said when that senator asked him what do you think about gays in the military and he said senator it is not of my concern what two consenting adults do in the privacy of their bedroom i am here to push forward uh, national security <laughs> i don't give a fuck i don't give yeah. a fuck it's i'm the i'm the same way man but uh <clears throat> You know, but you, you know, they, when it's being forced down my throat and more, you know, actually what really concerns me more than anything else is 
when you try to influence my children in school yeah. with a certain belief system, right? Okay, that's not your place. Okay, your, your teacher's place in school is to teach my kids, um, you know, history, math, English, okay? Those tools that are going to need to be a successful adult as they grow up. My, I don't send my kids to school to learn about critical race theory and, and uh, you know, all those things. That's that doesn't belong in the schoolroom, okay? Um, that belongs in the living room with you, with your family, man. That's your as a parent's job to teach your kids about morals and ethics and, and how to treat other people. That's not the teacher's job, okay? But that we, man, we've gone so far beyond that. You know, now I'm looking at this critical race theory, and actually, what's interesting is how many minority women are standing up against it, going bullshit. I don't want you teaching CRT to my kid because what you're telling everybody is my kid's not as good as a white kid. And so all you white kids need to be ratcheting in the back and, and you know, and lowering yourself down to their level. So in a, in a sense, it's actually racist, it, it, right? It's and, exactly <clears throat> what it is. It's exactly what and, it is. When people say we need affirmative action, it's like you're implying that the black kid isn't smart enough. Two of the smartest yeah. people I fucking know. One of them, I won't mention the other one, but one of them did go to Harvard. He's a physician now. He's a Harvard. He went to Harvard Medical School. He went to college with me. He's a, he's as black as you get. The dude is a fucking genius. I always talk about how good I was in college. This dude blew my fucking doors off straight A's without missing a beat. This guy's legitimately like not, no, not even exaggerating, like from the Congo, like darker than dark name is like you can barely pronounce it. Smart as fuck. The idea that oh, we need a firm that that's that's you saying they need well, help because they can't do what you do. That's yeah, and the and the other argument is well, you know, they need a hand up, you know, because you know we've suppressed them, you know, blah blah blah. But I'm like, well, how the hell did Obama become the most powerful man in the world? Yeah, we, right. We and he, oh, by the way, he's he's black. Okay, so how did he get up the ladder? Right, did just a bunch of white people boost him up there? I mean, they did, but ultimately. You know, I, I, there's a lot of success stories of black men and women out there. So why do we keep saying that, every, they, you know, they're being a suppressed and need an extra hand? That's bullshit. I know a, very, a lot of very successful black people as Asians and others. Um, this is all about, at the end of the day, man, even, even Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles can see that this is about race baiting. This is all about yeah. uh, pushing a, a political agenda. This is all about pushing... Uh, uh, agendas of smaller freaking uh, fringe groups, you know, um, to get what they want. I think the mass, the vast majority of Americans aren't buying into this bullshit. Okay. Um, it's just the squeaky wheel gets all the grease. So all the little noisemakers out there, they're, you know, that makes news, right? And it keeps everybody's attention. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if, if they didn't get the, the attention that they're screaming for, I think you see a whole different country. We went back to where America should be and was at one point. We're all kind of like getting along, you know, and doing our thing and, and being successful. Um, I, I believe the left needs this. They need this drama to, to keep them in power and uh, and keep everybody going at each other to justify all the rules and, and stuff that they want to impose. Um, you know, I, I, I'm building. So right now, you know, we're looking at the, and going back to this COVID thing real quick. You know, so it started out with forced masking. You know, you got to wear a mask. Everybody's got to wear a mask, which, oh, we already knew this a year ago, but now we know it even more so that they even said masks don't really work, right? They actually measured the, the size of a virus compared to the pores in a mask. 
And even on the box of a mask, a box of surgical masks will tell you it does not stop viruses. But we can't just slap them on our face anyways, right? And the government has got you believe in this through their through their subject matter expert policy that you should wear a mask. Maybe we wear two masks, right? And everybody's like, yes, sir, yes, sir. Be back full and putting them on. Now we're at the point where, okay, well, okay, now we need, everybody needs to have a COVID card, okay? Everybody needs to have a COVID passport. Why? Why do I need it? You know, and, 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 oh, by the way, if you haven't been vaccinated, even though you've had COVID, you still should be vaccinated. Think about that, okay? Think about that line right there and how much bullshit that is. So you're telling me my immune system is no good, but I got experts saying that um, I am 100% protected by for life because of my antibodies from, from naturally protecting myself from COVID. But you're telling me that's not good enough. I got to put some more Ill, um, um, you know, experimental drugs in my body that, by the way, only have, what, a 93 to 97 or 96% uh, success rate, effectiveness? Which That's still not even, yeah, and, and, the, and, you, and you're like, what, 99.76% likely to survive any COVID anyways? It just makes no sense, right? But it's a it's a political narrative, um, you know, and and I was, so I looked this morning, I was looking up, um, downloading uh, COVID passports, right, blanks on the internet. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to create my own damn COVID pass. You know, I'm not going to get the shot. I'm going to lie because I'm not taking this shot. But I'm not going to be inhibited from moving, traveling, or employment. I know guys right now that could that lost their job or was in, was about to lose their job if they didn't get the COVID shot. Like that's forced me. You're forcing people to take an experimental drug to keep their livelihood. Man, there is no way that's ethical, or nor can that be legal. And if it is, it needs to be against the law. But uh, you know, people are forced to take these damn vaccines just to maintain their livelihood. And uh, it's, a, it's a form of compulsion, man. It's either, either you do it or you lose everything. And so I look at it and look, okay, I'm going to get me a card and I'm just going to fake it, man. I'm going to find one. I'm going to create my own card. You know, make it look really pretty like it's the real deal. And when people are like, you got a COVID passport? Yep, got it right here. You know, um, tell me it's not a COVID passport. Just think about the logistics behind that. So if I travel with a, this fake COVID card, how are they going to know if it's fake or if it's real, Right. There's no data bank for this. There's no network. We go, we're going to t- type in this code and see if you're really, you know, that's not, we're not even close to that. How long is it going to take to even create something like that? Yeah. COVID will be long gone by the figure, by the time they figure that out. Yeah. But in the meantime, you know, they're going to scare everybody to death because many of you to take uh, this, this vaccine and, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm just not going to do it. It just makes no sense. Why would I? I've already had the uh, vaccine. I mean, I've already had the uh, virus, but, um, you know, I, I'm just astonished, you know, when I see people. So I've been in Florida, you know, basically it's an open state. Everything's good. No master, no six, no social distancing. Do what you want. Go back to life. You know, DeSantis, I love this guy, man, the governor of Florida. And uh, yet you still see people walking around all masked up, young people too. Like, you know, like Jesus Christ. I see chicks on the beach in bikinis laying out in the sun with a mask on. Huh? <laughs> you know, there's a failure of our education system because if you had any biology, any kind of education, oh, by the way, there's the internet. You can do your own due diligence. You would know that UV light kills viruses almost instantly. All right. It ain't going to live on the beach. Salt water, white, bright sand, sunlight, you know, ultraviolet light. But here they are laying out in the bikini with a damn face mask on. It's like, wow. My roommate, by the way, um, he's at the point now. Where if a chick tells him that he's she's got the vaccine or she's wearing a mask, he don't want nothing to do with it. He goes, you know what? 
you're not smart enough to be with me and I don't want to be with you. I'd rather be a single for the rest of my life to be married up to some quack like that, you know, and sorry if you guys are out there wearing masks, um, that's your choice. Um, but I can tell you, you know, it's, uh, I've done the, I've done the research, um, as many people have, I follow a lot of experts out there, real experts, even though they're being squashed, um, because they don't fit the narrative and just through my own training, you know, my own education, you know, I made a decision for myself and for my life and for my kids and my family. And we ain't getting the damn vaccine. Um, I go to war before you put a needle in my arm or my kid's arm to give me a damn experimental drug. Ain't going to happen. People will die before that happens. I'm not going to let that happen. You're not sticking me with anything. Okay. Because you're scared. You're afraid. And you're going to want me to take a shot because you're afraid. Go to hell. Go to hell. Ain't happening. Sorry. <laughs> That's me. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Comstock, American badass. Come here for all of your American tips. Um, American that, tips. Yeah, your American, t- American tips with the Comstock. But, uh, well, fuck, now that we're over at the book, well, shit, Dale, I'm still going to schedule in for next Sunday because I don't know what to do now. You're, I just talked to you on Sundays. Yeah, I, you know, I got plenty to talk about, man. Fuck we yeah. can talk about some other stuff I've been doing. Um, fuck yeah. You know, so after this book, so I, I finished this book roughly 2011-2012 but since then so that was most of my life up to that point but since then I've done so much more um, that I can actually write about five more books right now um, literally uh, of these other adventures it's not like you know I just kind of went off into retirement you know I live in paradise and I don't do anything every day it's actually been a situation where you know, all this weird stuff happens to me. And if I find myself involved in, you know, smuggling people to going after bad guys in, you know, Singapore and Turkey and, you know, my bodyguard experiences, um, you know, there's a lot that I've done since that time. And, um, and so I'll be, I'll be writing and telling those stories as well. And of course, all of that will be written so that, um, there's life lessons to be learned um, in, in these stories, right? Just like an American badass. It's not just about, you know, me inter- writing an entertaining story, but I want people to be able to read it and start, you know, having some deeper thoughts and start thinking about some things a little bit closer. Go, hmm, okay, never thought of that, you know, and, and hopefully, um, you know, see the world in a different light. Um, too many people live, you know, you know, in America particularly, there are people that never left their own state, you know, let alone left the country. They've never experienced other things. They don't know what's really possible other than what they think they see on TV. And um, I'm going to show them what's possible. And, uh, you know, just through the things that I have done, just how big this world is or how small it is. And, um, you know, what's possible if you really want to do something. And in my case, a lot of things happen not because I wanted to do them, it just kind of fell on my lap. And I was kind of either compelled to do them or induced to do them uh, or just thought it would be kind of fun to do it. And then here I am, for, got five more books in the queue, <laughs> ready to write more stories. So Fuck yeah. those are coming. Fuck yeah. yeah, heard here first. Get the book. <laughs> it's in the description or listen to the previous 11 volumes. Get the book. It's a fantastic fucking read. And um, until next – and Dale does performance coaching, tier one performance coaching. And as always, I'll put his Instagram in. Go follow his Instagram. It's a great fucking time. And uh, until next Sunday, Dr. Dale Comstock. All righty. Thank you. Take it easy, buddy. Sir. Peace. All right. Recording stopped.